Business associates are involved with nearly a quarter of the largest health data breaches that show up on the Department of Health and Human Services Wall of Shame website of major breaches involving 500 or more individuals. So what can covered entities do to make sure that their organizations aren't victims of vendor blunders? I'm Marian Kolbesek-McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Rebecca Harold partner and co-founder of Symbis Security and Privacy Services and the Symbis Tracker. Rebecca will be discussing some tips for how covered entities can get a better handle on what their business associates are doing in terms of protecting patient data. So now, Rebecca, you deal with lots of covered entities. What are the biggest information security and privacy blunders that you see business associates making? Well, I've done over 200 VA security and privacy program audits over the years, and I've really seen a lot of different blunders, but yes, there are several that commonly occur. So one of the ones that I see a lot and that surprises a lot of the covered entities that I'm doing them for is the lack of documented information security or privacy policies and procedures. Uh, just last month, I got a new Simbus client who was a business associate, and they had been told that their program was going to be audited by one of their clients, and they didn't have anything documented. So uh, they wanted someone to help them quickly. So lack of documented policies and procedures is still very common. Also, something that happens a lot is they, they have no knowledge of the contractual obligation. So they've signed a contract to do business with a covered entity, but the folks inside the VA who actually have to perform those activities have never read the contract that says what they need to do. So that's also very common. Another common activity that they do not do is training and awareness. Uh, many of the VAs simply have not provided any training to their employees. So, of course, if they don't get security training or privacy training, it's very likely that they're going to make mistakes. Also, interestingly enough, in the last few years, I'm seeing increasing numbers of VAs who have actually posted confidential information, the PHI that they've been entrusted with. I've seen them post information to social media sites. And that brings me to kind of a related problem is that they don't understand what personal information is or what PHI, protected health information, is. So a lot of the VAs have told me that they did not think that names or addresses or email addresses were PHI items because they said, well, we can find those online or those are publicly available so that they don't have to be protected, right? And I have to explain to them, no, why? They're still PHI, and because of the context within which they're being used by the, the covered entity, they certainly have to continue to be protected. So that's another very common problem that I see. And also, I guess, another one to mention quickly is the lack of encryption. Many of the VA still do not encrypt their mobile devices, and they do not encrypt the data on even in servers that might have high-risk areas. And, and as we're seeing with the recent breaches, it's becoming more common for the hacks that are occurring to get access to the internal servers. So 
oftentimes it makes sense to ensure that all of that data, that PHI they've been entrusted with, is encrypted. So, Rebecca, with that said, what can covered entities, CISOs, and privacy officers do to ensure that their organizations are not victims of these BA blunders? Well, there's several things they need to do. They need to go certainly beyond just having a BA agreement signed. And historically, that's what I found a lot of the covered entities, that's all they did. They were like, oh, well, we'll have this BA agreement signed and then we don't have to do anything else. It'll be the BA's fault if something bad happens. But, of course, we know from statements made from the Department of Health and Human Services that a certain amount of liability follows that PHI that they've entrusted to their BA. So that they need to go beyond that BA agreement. Now, certainly they need to make sure that they have contractual requirements within the BA agreement or their other contract with the BA to ensure that everything is appropriate. So I like to also include within those agreements a right to audit clause and also a clause requiring the BA to provide a copy of their current information security and privacy policies and any recent uh, risk assessment executive summary upon request. Now, I also have used many different types of surveys and questionnaires uh, based upon the HIPAA requirements to determine risk levels for their BAs because a lot of times covered entities will have dozens or hundreds or even thousands of BAs, and they all have different risk levels. So they need to determine what level of risk does this BA bring to my organization, and then what they need to do is to provide more oversight for the high-risk BAs than typically they need to do for the medium-risk BAs or the low-risk BAs. And those questionnaires need to be so that the BAs can actually answer them and understand them. That's something that I found over the years that many of the tiny one-person to mid-sized BAs, often they're overwhelmed if you send them too long of a survey or questionnaire, basically anything over 50 questions. In fact, I've had several of these tiny to mid-sized BAs actually hire me to to help them fill out the questionnaire because they didn't have someone who had the background or knowledge to understand all the terms. So that's something with my Simbus service, through the Simbus tracker service, I've created more meaningful questionnaires that are easier to understand to the BAs to answer and shorter and still cover everything. Then also, I really like the use of attestations. And basically, these are comparatively brief forms that you can send to the BAs monthly or quarterly, depending upon their risk level, and they can return them, and they're short. They just basically say, you know, we have the policies and procedures in place, we're doing everything we need to do, and then you have the leader, the executive of the BA sign them. So that way, the leader is actually assuming explicit responsibility for ensuring that everything that he or she says is in place actually is in place. And that's another thing uh, through my Simba services that I provide are those attestations. And they really do help to uh, ensure the BAs are doing the appropriate thing. And then one more thing would be to ask for documentation showing how often that 
they provide training to their employees to make sure that they actually are keeping their employees up to date with how to effectively protect the PHI uh, with which they've been given responsibility, the covered entity. You mentioned a variety of different sort of documentation and proof of information, security uh, programs, procedures that BAs should be able to provide to covered entities, such as the risk assessments and documentation of policies, the questionnaires, the attestation. What sort of pushback do you see vendors giving covered entities when these covered entities ask for that documentation and what should the CISOs do if they do get that pushback from their BAs? And they certainly do get some pushback from the BAs. Oftentimes, if the BA does not have what's being requested of them, of course, they typically will say, well, you didn't require this of me in the contract, so we are not contractually obligated to provide this to you. That's why it makes it so important to put those types of actions and activities within the contract to say that you have a right to request these types of documentation upon demand up front. So that's going forward. They need to to keep track of that. But certainly what I've seen a lot of times with covered entities is pushback from the really large BAs, these organizations that are larger than the covered entities that they're doing business with. So what happens when they get pushback there? And typically the pushback isn't such that they say, oh, well, we don't want to do this. It's more like, well, we already have something else that you can use instead. So it's kind of like they're diverting their attention to something completely different. So what the covered entity should do is determine, number one, well, is what they're offering me sufficient to use instead? Number two, if it's not, then they should consider terminating the business relationship. And that depends upon the risk level for that VA. If this is a high-risk VA and they are not cooperating or providing the documentation requested, then that's putting the covered entity at risk. So they should consider maybe switching to a different VA if that's possible. And then depending upon the situation, if it's something that they really need to to have and the VA is simply refusing, certainly they want to get their legal department involved, but they may even want to report them, report the VA to the Department of Health and Human Services because certainly certain types of documentation, let's say there's been a breach within the VA and so the covered entity wants details about that breach if it involves their PHI and they refuse, then that is something definitely that they should consider reporting to the Department of Health and Human Services if they aren't being cooperative. So, Rebecca, how much hand-holding should covered entities give to their business associates when it comes to information security? How involved should they get in what the BA is actually doing? It really depends upon the level of risk that the BAs bring to the covered entity. So, the higher the level of risk, the closer the scrutiny. Now, some of your high-risk VAs will have a lot of documentation and information that they will give you on, on an ongoing basis. They might have a much more mature security program, too. So if you have a high-risk VA and they have a less mature security program and an indicator of that is a lack of documentation, 
then the more hand-holding that they'll want to do. So the more asking for, let's say, the ongoing attestations or more asking for perhaps the ability to come in on site and do an audit or have them answer different types of questions. But again, depending upon the service the VA provides, if they are providing a service that they don't typically use some of the terminology that HIPAA has within it or maybe they don't have an information security role that is defined or someone is completely responsible for information security, then the covered entity will probably have to do a lot of oversight and hand-holding to make sure that they are doing what's appropriate. As just one example, this definition of PHI, certainly if they are dealing with a small to mid-sized organization that may not have worked with a covered entity before, they need to make sure that they are very clear about what constitutes PHI and make sure that they understand that they have to protect all of those PHI items equally, that they can't pick and choose things depending upon what they think might already be publicly available. And when it comes to the covered entities side, who within the healthcare organization or other covered entities should be dealing with these BAs for these matters? That's a great question because what I found is oftentimes within covered entities, there is an area, a sourcing area within the covered entity or contracting area that often has a representative assigned to each of the different types of vendors or business associates. And so they are often the ones who are managing the relationship, but you really need to make sure that if that is the case, that your information security officer and privacy officer have worked closely with that representative to make sure that they understand all the security and privacy requirements that they need to be communicating with the BA. Now, preferably, I found it's good if the there can be a meeting, at least over the phone or through a webinar type of service, where the information security officer and privacy officer has at least one meeting with the, the BA to say, here's what, you know, we really need to make sure that you're doing to make sure that you're meeting all of our HIPAA requirements and you're mitigating risk appropriately. But uh, if it cannot be the, the security and privacy officers themselves that are communicating with the security person and privacy person at the BA, then certainly work through your outsourcing or your contract area to make sure that that important information is communicated to them. Thanks, Rebecca. I've been speaking to Rebecca Harold. I'm Marian Kolbasek-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.